Welcome to Art from the Outside, a podcast for anyone who wants an outside-in look at the art world. I'm Amitha Raman. And I'm Will Pally. And each episode, we're talking to the people who inspire us to help unravel the arts. Hi, Amitha. How's it going? It's going well. It's a sunny day out here in Long Island. Feeling good. <laughs> you look like you have a halo around you. There's so much light shining through. I'm loving it. <laughs> so it's my turn to ask, what's on your radar right now? Well, I feel like I'm still on a high since Wednesday's event when you and I were lucky enough to be invited by the Brooklyn Museum to present to their Young Leadership Council, their Young Patrons Group, about collecting. And we got to pick a few works in each of our collection to share. Um, and it was actually just such a fun event. Yes, I love that so much. I think there's something really wonderful about artists and artworks. To be honest, I was very flattered, but also surprised that I was asked to participate because I still feel like I'm so early on in my collecting journey especially when I think about inspiring collectors like our next guest, who's using her resources and collection to raise the profile of artists from her region and build an art ecosystem for future generations. This episode, we are extremely excited to be talking to the boundary-defying collector, philanthropist, and general art world powerhouse, Nadia Samdani. Based in Dhaka, Bangladesh, Nadia is the founder and director of the Samdani Art Foundation, one of the leading nonprofits focused on supporting the arts in and across Southeast Asia. In her role as director of the Samdani Art Foundation, Nadia led the launch of the first ever Dhaka Art Summit in 2012, a multifaceted, interdisciplinary biennial that brings together curators, artists, and other art world professionals from around the globe. Nadia is also very active philanthropically. She and her husband Rajib were founding members of the Tate's South Asian Acquisition Committee. And in 2017, along with Rajib, she was the first South Asian arts patron to receive the Mont Blanc de la Culture Arts and Patronage Award. Nadia, we are so thrilled and very privileged to have you with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And thank you for the wonderful introduction. Very generous. It's funny. We, we love to sort of do our, our research. And what you do is so multifaceted in that you, you know, obviously have a collection that you build. You are a philanthropist and that you support so many organizations. And then you are an engine, I think, for stimulating discourse about the arts, both globally and locally. So for us, we were just so excited to get to have the chance to speak with someone who, who does so much. So I think um, it's really great. In my research I did around you, I've read that your parents actually collected um, Bangladeshi modernists and inspired you to begin collecting at an early age, sort of based on that same aesthetic. In fact, you had your first acquisition at the age of 22, but since then you've um, transitioned towards contemporary art. Can you tell us a bit more about your journey as a collector and 
why you found yourself drawn to living artists, making work in our own time? Right. Yes, my family um, were collectors. And um, I grew up with a lot of art. I grew up with a lot of Bangladeshi art, always surrounded by art. And um, I think when I first started collecting, and I started collecting with modernist Bangladeshi art, it's because I feel that's what I was most comfortable with, I was most aware of. And I feel that, you know, Mm. when people collect, they like to collect things that they know and they're familiar with. So that's what had happened with me. But I think slowly over time, over the years, also with Rajib, when I started traveling to a lot of art fairs and biennials and exhibitions all over the world, I saw more and more, learned more and more. And then I realized that that my interest was more towards contemporary art. Yeah, that's how it started. What if in some of those moments along the way where you've said, oh, yes, this is when I know I love what I'm doing. This is truly a passion for me. So the love moments, I think there have been so many. It's just countless. So many love moments. And I think each (laughs) and every single piece of our collection was a love moment. Every single piece is meaningful. And it's like your child. And also, like, for example, when sometimes people ask that, would you ever sell anything or would you ever give away anything? I can't. I can't think of it. So that's why, you know, you're just acquiring more and more and more. But um, there's been plenty. Um, I can give you an example. So I can't remember which year it was. I think it was in the early, maybe it was in 2010 or 2009 or something. So Rajib and I, we went to the Venice Biennale and um, we were walking around and we had split up. And we were walking around um, the different pavilions and then we met up. And then we said that, okay, oh, so amazing. We, were, we, were ha- we were having our discussion and it was like, what, do you, what did you like? What did I like? You know? And then we said that, okay, let's go around again and I'll show you our, my favorite piece. We both ended up in the exact same piece on the same, same artwork in the entire, um, the big section of the exhibition. So that was also a very special moment that, you know, you, in Venice Biennale, you see so much art, it's endless. And wow. you, by the time you see like, you know, 20 things, you forget what you've seen because, you know, it's such a overload of art. But, you know, we, we ended up, you know, standing right in front of the artwork that we loved the most. What was the work? So we actually have that work. So it's, it's actually Ooh. a work by, uh, it, was, it was in the Italian pavilion. It's a work by an Italian artist called Francesca Leon. So in our house, oh, wow. actually, so our house, we change all our artworks every 18 months because we like to change and do a rehang. So the rehang kind of takes almost like three months to decide because there's so much in our um, inventory to go through, to curate it in a certain way. Um, So it takes a lot of time. And I think that is 
the only art, I mean, it's a huge, it's a large piece. I think that is probably one of the artworks <laughs> that has not been moved and everything else has been shuffled and moved and rearranged back in storage. They're going for travel. That hasn't actually. That's almost kind of romantic. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful piece. And I guess that it's kind of related to our next question, but what is, you delved into it a little bit. What is it like pursuing this journey with the spouse? I mean, you obviously had your own taste and then now as a couple, it sounds like you have some overlap, but could you tell us a bit more? So I think I, I would consider myself very, very lucky because we have the same taste. I cannot imagine having a spouse where we're both interested in art and we have completely different tastes. I don't see how that were, how difficult that would have been, but luckily we have uh, we have the same taste, and you know it's been so many years, and so far we have not had any conflicts. That okay, you like this, and I don't like this. It's always um, it's it's been good so far. No conflicts yet in choosing art. <laughs> you and Rajib, it's it's. I think it's amazing to see such an art world, almost power couple. And I'm curious when you met was, how shall I say, was that part of what drew you to each other as you were sort of getting to know each other in the sort of courtship process? Did art bring you together as well? No, I wouldn't say that. No, it wasn't that. We met through uh, family friends and mutual friends, not through art or not um, similarities with art. I think the more actually we discovered each other and um, started mm -hmm. um, seeing and learning more, that's how the interest developed more and more for the both of us. I think there's something so wonderful when you, you have a partner or a spouse and you have the arts as a shared interest because it's something that really, I think, that's why Amitra and I love it is it's this invitation to learn and journey and discover. And when you have a spouse that you can, or a partner you can share that with, that's, that's quite magical. <laughs> well, it's also so social. I mean, so much of it is, you know, traveling and going to different events. So it's so nice to have a partner to be able to enjoy those experiences with. You manage two collections in parallel, both a South Asian collection and an international collection. We were wondering, sort of, what is the focus regarding artists in each collection? And how does the purpose of an international collection differ from a South Asian collection? Okay, so um, the two collections, meaning we kind of, I mean, it is our collection, but we also kind of split it. So it's easier for us to organize so one, we call the Samdani Art mm. Foundations collection, which is the South Asian collection. And the international collection is our collection, like our journey, our personal journey as collectors. So we're oh, wow. growing with the collection. So the, uh, so the Foundations collection, which is um, South Asian collection, it is mostly, um, it's very highly researched, for example, we're from Bangladesh and we got our independence in 1971. Mm. And before 1971, we were a mm. part of, of Pakistan. We were East Pakistan. So most of our works, most of our modernist works, actually now Bangladeshi modernist works now belong to, 
are in Pakistan or um, with Pakistani collectors. Mm. We don't have much because when the country split, uh, when we gained our independence, there was really nothing. So I, so for from our end, from the foundation side, we're trying to build a collection not for ourselves, but for the community, for Bangladesh itself, to build a wow. collection like historical works. We're, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of research. We try to find especially modernist works before the 19, um, 1970s, 1971 actually, like what mm. were artists doing before Bangladesh became independent? Like what was going on? What was happening? All these works. So that has that's what we're doing. We're building that collection and... We're also collecting South Asian um, younger modernist, uh, I mean, sorry, contemporary art who are also kind of responding to the modernist painters then. So it's also curated, like, you know, when we're thinking, when we're looking at a young artist, like a Bangladeshi young or an Indian very young or a Pakistani contemporary art, like we also look at it that, okay, so it would go with that particular work there, or it's the same subject or it's the same theme, or it will, it fits really nicely with that. So that's how we're working on the South Asian collection and we're working with a team and because it's a lot of research, it's hard to f- get hold of these works because nobody wants to let go of these works. Sure. And the um, international collection that I said, that um, that's a journey of um, Rajiv and I growing as collectors. It's like we're traveling to different places, fairs, biennials, exhibitions. We're picking out what we like and what we'd like to have, what we'd like to live with. A lot of things over the years we've, we mm. have collected that um, are so large and so um, big, they're like actually institutional size pieces, but, but we never thought that what are we going to oh, wow. do? What are we going to do with it? You know, we, we loved it. That's why <laughs> it has to be, you know, it has to be ours. So that's been happening. But again, when we rehang, every time we rehang the collection at home, we always look through the whole inventory of the South Asian collection and of the uh, international collection. And we fit things together, put them together. What, you know, it's curated in a very nice and a meaningful way. You touched on the fact that Bangladesh is a recently young nation and how you are building this canon. How do you think about that question of identity and cultural geography versus physical geography? I don't think um, geography really uh, matters because there are a lot of uh, Bangladeshi artists who are living in India or in France, but at the end of the day, they identify themselves as Bangladeshis. And I think over the last decade, I think there's been a major movement in South Asia. Before, you know, over the last 10, 12 years, before that South Asia, I mean, you know, institutions hardly recognized our part of the world or, you know, whether it was galleries. And they didn't recognize because they didn't have access we actually failed mm. to show our art. We have, it's not like we don't have artists. We have tons of artists, but we we actually didn't 
have a platform to show. We were, we're always in our um, bubble. I think um, in the mm, last 10, in the last 10, 12 things, so many things in South Asia happened. The Kochi Biennale is happening, the India Art Fair, the Dhaka Art Summit, now Lahore yes. Biennale and Karachi Biennale. All these things are happening. And then, you know, for example, institutions are looking at South Asia. Tate, Tate Museum has opened up a South Asian section. So because they're interested, because it's like the yes. new yes. H- hot thing, because people like to always discover new things. And whenever um, people come to Bangladesh, we always say that, you know, it's different. It's going to, it's a, it's going to be a fresh breath of fresh air. It's not the usual yes. art. Like, for example, when we go to art, I mean, when we go to art fairs, it's, it's become so predictable now. Okay, this, 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 mm-hmm. this artist. Rarely when we see a new artist or someone we've discovered that's when we're excited like wow you know that is someone new or someone exciting because for me as a collector I'm always on the lookout for someone new I want to discover new young artists yes new Mm -hmm. talents not um not Mm. so uh so that's what I say that you know when people come to Bangladesh or see Bangladeshi art it's new it's different and because there's been so much interest mm. in the last, actually, the last decade, more and more we're seeing presence of Bangladeshi art in different, different places. Like a lot of institutions are interested, artists yes. are being written about, a lot of galleries are representing Bangladeshi artists. They're getting invited for lots of shows and biennials and exhibitions around the world, So, which is amazing. You're like the the patron saint of um, ba- uh, Bangladeshi <laughs> art. Cultural ambassador, I was going to say, like bringing everybody, the international art crowd to Dhaka. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we've been talking about the Dhaka Art Summit. I wondered if you could just talk to us a little bit more about how it's grown over the five installments and um, tell us a bit more about the latest exhibition, where the concept of seismic movements originated from and some of your personal highlights of the 2020 exhibition. Right. So um, we started the Dark Art Summit in 2012. So this year, actually in February, was our fifth edition. So the Dark Art Summit is a biennial event. It takes place once in two years. It's a big public platform. It's a platform for um, art, performance, photography, film, architecture. It's like a big festival. It's non-commercial. It's open for all. It's, it's a free event, no VIP hours, no VIP, nothing. It's, it's just a big, um, big platform for everybody to come and enjoy. And we do it in partnership with the government because we use the government building. It's a, it's a massive, um, building and we get the freedom to kind of do a lot of things anywhere else in the world wow. where it's not possible. So it, we, it's a two-year researched event. So what we do is um, in two years, it's, uh, we get to get a chance to invite um, guest curators and um, they do research for two years. We support their research. They travel, research, and put this amazing show together. And the, the curators, most, they're mostly institutions. Just to interject... 
yeah, I was going to interject, Nadia, and say the curators are really phenomenal. I mean, I know you've had curators from the Guggenheim in New York, from the Tate, from the Zeitzmuseum in South Africa. It's truly remarkable, the caliber, and I'm neglecting to mention all of the regional curators that participate as well. So I have to make sure our listeners are fully aware of the brain trust, the massive brain trust um, that that you were building with these curators? Yes, we got, um, we're very, very fortunate that we got to work with all these brilliant, brilliant curators from all over the world. And I'm thankful to all the institutions who lent their curators to us to um, for their research and to work with us. So what is amazing about Dhaka Art Summit is in under one roof, there's different curated sections by different um, curators. And people who come to see, they see world-class exhibitions all under one roof from different mm. curators. And because Dhaka Art Summit is, it's a public platform, it's open to all, it's free for all, and it's for everybody. It's really for everybody. So this edition, this uh, our fifth edition, this time, um, we had uh, over nine days, we had almost half a million people. It was extraordinary. I mean, wow. the, um, yeah. You know, there are times when we have to like, you That's know, kind of massive. It's massive. There are times when we have to even close the um, entrance to so that people can kind of leave the building. But it, it has been um, really amazing. <laughs> Yeah. From what I understand, I, I that's quite substantial growth too, because I was listening to an interview with you and in 2018, it was something like 360,000 people. So two years later, to nearly double the number of visitors, clearly it's, it's not disliked whatever you're doing, both by um, folks uh, domestically and internationally there is some serious momentum there. So I think in Bangladesh, it's kind of become an event where you mark your calendar and it's something you just go. Whether you like art or you don't, it's just a, it's just, um, it's like a festival. You just, you just go. People come in multiple times. They come with their children. They come with their grandparents. It's, it's, it's a, it's like a family event. I think that one of the other interesting things that really differentiates the DACA Art Summit from other major art world events is it's very democratic and accessible approach. As you mentioned, there's free admission, no VIPs, everyone is welcome from the president to the taxi driver. You also you know, are careful to talk about your upcoming project as an art center and not a museum to kind of create a sense of accessibility for the local community. Can you speak to why accessibility is such a core value for your family and foundation? Absolutely. I think the event that we do, all our, all our events and all our programs are free of cost and open to the public. And I think Rajib and I, we personally enjoy and love art so much. And we feel that it's for everybody. We don't feel like, you know, there should be any gap or any boundaries. Even say we, we, even if we put a ticket, like, you know, say an entry ticket is as little as like, say, for example, 50 cents. 
there would still be a few people who wouldn't want mm. to go in. Mm-hmm. So we we don't want an it is it should be for yes. everybody everybody to enjoy and um it's I think it um uh yeah I think it's it's a great um way and I think the greatest joy um we get from the Dhaka Art Summit is just watching the people that it feels mm. amazing that you know we could create something like this we could create a platform where people are just coming in with their families and enjoying and wondering what these things mm. are like you know for example in in south asia i would say performance art is still such a new concept installations or videos and there's still That's such a new concept and it's it's like you know just to understand that you know it's not traditional that it's not traditional that only paintings means art mm-hmm. or um 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 like a flat 2d thing is art art can be anything i think it's also a part of the education another thing about our dhaka art summit one of my favorite um moments would be like our school days we invite so many schools to come oh, and visit amazing. and we have thousands and thousands of school children who come for the day and just look around i mean of course we give them guides and um mediators to take them around and to explain because i feel like you know they are the future of our country mm. they're going to be the new uh, next artists and curators or collectors or um patrons of the art so um it's uh, it's really wonderful and um the other thing that you mentioned about our sculpture park um mm-hmm. sri hatta samdani art center and sculpture park that's in um the northeastern part of bangladesh silet so silet is where rajiv and i are from that's our mm-hmm. um home oh. country your hometown that's where we're from and um that is uh So that's in the process. So that again was not a uh long-term plan. That just happened. I think like uh, as I mentioned earlier that you know when we started collecting uh we sometimes collected some amazing amazing huge institutional size pieces and um we just never thought that what are we going to do with it? Where are we going <laughs> to keep it it's just we loved it and i think after some time we had acquired quite a bit and then we're like okay so we need a space so that's how the idea of the sculpture park came <laughs> that um that it is uh, that these are really uh that there needs to be a place where people can go and enjoy and learn because although dhaka art summit it only happens once in 2 years only for 9 days and if we open this mm. park um sri hatta it will be all year round um it will be a destination people can go whenever they like and to visit so the park will be um it's over about 100 acres right now so there's going to be a sculpture park a residency space um there's going to be um pavilions where there's going to be where where we're going to be housing some of our collections so it's 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 going to take a it's going to it's a process it's going to take a long time sculpture parks just don't come up 
like in two, three years, it's going to be uh, a journey. Um, but we're very, very excited. Again, that park will be open for all, open to the public and um, free. What does the name Srihatta mean? And forgive me for my terrible pronunciation. Srihatta is the old ancient name of Silet. So Silet mm. is the name of the place oh, where Rajiv wow. and I are from, Silet. That mm-hmm. district, um, that part of town, the northeastern mm. part of Bangladesh, Silet. Oh, the older name is Srihatta. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, it, it sounds like this amazing home for some really magnificent artworks. What was an exact, can you think of an artwork where it was so massive that you just thought, oh my God, how, how will we, we have to get this, but it's just immense. I mean, I, I, you know, like I think all of us love to see art. I love to go to galleries and museums and, you know, sometimes you see, I was looking at uh, um, a work of this uh, painter called Sadie Benning and they, um, it's something like 36 panels and you can't, you know, they're not sold individually. It is 36 individual <laughs> paintings. And I was saying to the wonderful gallerist, oh my God, who, who, who? someone has to be really a massive fan or a little bit bonkers, um, <laughs> you know, apart from an institution to, to get something like that. What's your equivalent of something that was just so massive but you said okay we're just gonna do it anyway (laughs) (laughs) like you said um i feel that you know if you love it it should be yours so (laughs) no matter how massive or how insane it may be (laughs) for me it's like it may be the most insane thing in the world but um yeah, I love it. I can give you an example of an insane, um, really yes, massive um, installation, actually. It's by a French artist, Dominic Gonzalez Forrester. And um, <gasps> so, One of, she's amazing. She is amazing. I love wow. her. Yeah. <sighs> so, so her work. Tell is us everything. Actually, <laughs> so <laughs> her work is the work that we we have is a hologram video. And the hologram video is uh, where oh, wow. she dresses up and she um, she dresses up as Fitzcarraldo and she sings. So the hologram video of her yes. dressed up as Fitzcarraldo of her singing and playing the instrument in the forest. So that video itself needs an 80 feet throw. So whoever is watching it has to see from 80 feet (laughs) through. So that is like a stage and it's like all (laughs) set up. And to get to that 80 feet through, you have to walk in through a sound tunnel. (laughs) So because you have to walk in through a sound tunnel to actually hear the music. You hear the music through the dark sound tunnel. You walk in and then you stand in a place and it's completely dark and Fitzcarraldo appears 
singing and talking that mm-hmm. and you know the backgrounds and then she disappears and then she pops up it is the most incredible thing ever so um so when we saw it we're like this is really amazing <laughs> <laughs> i never thought that okay my in my house i mean obviously i don't have that kind of space where i have to have a throw where the projector um needs an 80 feet throw for the hologram and then you have to <laughs> oh have goodness. a separate sound tunnel to walk in where you have to hear the music to walk in to um so yeah we have um <laughs> a few um things like that <laughs> that I love how passionate you are about your artworks your whole face lights up when you're describing them it's really um infectious <laughs> <laughs> um I think recently very very recently I don't know if you're familiar with this artist this Korean artist called Hagyu Yang Yes Yes So we had um great lo- installation at the MoMA if you haven't had the chance yeah. to yes, see it Yes right now it's at the MoMA no I I have not had the chance I'm living vicariously through all the Instagrams <laughs> photos and all all my friends who visited all the videos Um so we commissioned a piece by her last year and it's her biggest um piece that she has made it's um I'm not exactly wow. it's I think it's almost about 18 20 feet tall and it's like a huge bell monster Ooh. and it's it, it is the most incredible <laughs> thing it is really I am obsessed Does it move? with it It moves, you can shake it, you can play with it. It's got wheels. It's real. <laughs> It's a lot of fun and oh, wow. I we love it. I was wondering, you know, you've accomplished and continue to accomplish so much. But do you ever get nervous? I mean, I was thinking back to when you first started the the art summit. Um and you know you you're you're working on the sort of amazing sculpture park and hopefully um there will be a 2022 Dhaka Art Summit do you get nervous as as you work on these initiatives because they're not small nadia <laughs> no so i think initially when we started the, so we founded the foundation in um 2011 and when we start when we plan to do our first um Dakar summit in 2012. So we felt that you know there is nothing going on. There is nothing. If it doesn't work, if people don't like it, it doesn't matter. Because you know there when when there is mm. nothing um you're not competing with anyone or you know it's not like you know it's going to be a disappointment or people won't enjoy it. We had nothing to lose. So I think we 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 got yes. ambitious we did it and I said that let's do it let's see how it works what people think I mean why wouldn't it it's you know it's art people love art it's it's a platform it's an open platform it's a free event there's all kinds of things happening there's so many talks there's educational things um so when we first initially you know we were kind of thinking that you know should we or shouldn't we but then again we thought that we have nothing to lose even if it doesn't work so yes i think 
every time, you know, the appreciation and it just got bigger and bigger and um, like, you know, now there's no, literally there's no limit to, <laughs> it's like whenever we invite artists oh, for commissions, whatever we, whenever we invite artists for commissions, we're like, they, they, they kind of tell us, tell us their ideas and we're like, oh my goodness, but I love it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah, so we get a, the most insane ideas and the most insane requests. I mean, the thing is that we get a lot of requests that are just like impossible, that, you know, it's just not possible to do. That we we kind of say no, but, you know, when there's something possible and we love it, you know, we usually we accommodate as much as possible. And I think the difference and kind of like the beauty of Dhaka Art Summit and Sri Hatta, our sculpture park, is a lot of artists are kind of realizing their dreams because mm. a lot of projects, if say, you know, they mm. had the idea for a long time, um, they had the idea for a long time, but they couldn't do it in different countries for various permissions and a um, lot of restrictions and things like that. So we try to make it as happen as much as possible. Wow, that's so exciting for the artists. I, I it's funny. I'm I'm oh, I have do? the catalog right <laughs> here. I have actually the catalogs from 2020, 2018, and 2016. Wonderful. And um, one of the artists I know that played a really key role in the most recent uh, summit was Adrian Villarrojas, um, who his his work is um, sounds to me very much on that scale um, of projects that are totally bonkers. Um, yeah, totally. And, I mean, tell me about <laughs> that. It, it, the, the work was just amazing from what it sounded like it was fossils and it was fossils yeah. it was like millions and millions of year old fossils and these are not like easy things to kind of ship and just bring they they i i can't remember right now how many um tons they were but um to bring this to oh create this and how many uh, tons? One ton is enough, but no, many no, no. Tons. These oh were goodness. like massive, massive, like thick um, stones. They're like stone, and it was the entire wow. floor were these fossil stones. Where and it was right at the entrance of the Art Summit. So as people were walking in, you're walking in through. Over, over the fossils, over the 400 million year old fossils. And it was kind of, and then we, he had the surroundings built with um, um, uh, mud earth. Wait, I'm just forgetting the term now. Rammed earth, right, rammed earth. So he had a room. Uh, so as people were walking in through the fossils, they were walking over the 400 million year old fossils and it was a it was the entrance and they had and he built like rammed earth walls and the walls were painted on so it kind of gave you the very old um cave-like feeling it was really um one of our most special projects 
Wow. It's, it's such a, a fun role to play to kind of help make these artists' dreams come true and realize these projects. You sound like dream art patrons to work for, and that's actually something that your curator, Diana Campbell-Bettencourt, has said about you in interviews, that you and your husband are dream art patrons for a curator to work with. Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit more about that relationship and um, how that creative partnership has sort of developed over the, the years that you've been working together? Oh, yeah. So Diana, um, we've been working with, she's been working with us since um, the 2014 edition. And, um, you know, we it's been brilliant. I mean, she's amazing. She's got a wonderful eye and she's a great curator. She understands us. And um, I think we work very well. Um, she always has brilliant ideas. And, you know, th- this year's edition, the seismic movements was all her. So um, it's worked out well. And uh, she's the di- artistic director of the foundation and also the sculpture park. So, I mean, it's been brilliant. Um, um, she's amazing and she's very, very talented. And we understand each other. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, I feel like, you know, um, patrons and curators, I mean, they you need to have a very good relationship where you understand each other and you understand the taste of each other because that's mm-hmm. a very important thing. And I feel like we understand each other very well in that way. She also has a great Instagram too. Yes, I'm following her on Instagram now. (laughs) I love to follow her. (laughs) She needs the most glamorous lifestyle. I'm always very envious. (laughs) I have big FOMO with Diana on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's always traveling everywhere. She's everywhere. It's like I lose track. So sometimes, you know, we're talking on the phone and I'm like, where are you? Oh, you're here? Weren't you somewhere else yesterday? So, um, yeah, but that has slowed down this year. (laughs) You just mentioned uh, slowing down on travel. So as someone who has been a regular at biennials, triennials, and art fairs all over the world, uh, which major art event are you most looking forward to attending um, post-COVID and once we're able to travel again? Well, I think um, last eight months being at home and not going anywhere I'm looking forward to anything and everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really yes. missing, I'm really, mm. really missing um, all the art events, all the mu- incredible museum shows, especially the Hey Yu Yang one that is happening now. Um, missing, I'm, <laughs> I, yeah, major FOMO. I feel like I'm missing out on so much and so many things to see. I can't say one particular one because I have so many favorite artists um, that I love Mm -hmm. and I follow their work and so many things happening around the world. Um, But um, then again, let's see when this ends. Yes. I've also heard that you throw the best parties too. I get, um, every year I get <laughs> videos of people dancing and um, I, I hear there's this one party on top of a building with a pool and everyone jumps in the pool and it's a very 
congenial, convivial atmosphere. So at, lots you know, of I'll things. Add well, I, I well the you parties, have to. Everyone has fun. <laughs> so, see, if you if you don't come to Dhaka Art Summit, you don't get to. You don't know about it. You have to be here. Yeah, well, is that your shameless plug to get invited to the next party? <laughs> yes, it's on my 2020. It's very um, transparent. <laughs> it will be my Valentine's Day gift to myself because it's, I know this year it was February 7th to February 15th. So, yeah. um, you know, for me, Valentine's Day 2022, I know where I'll be celebrating. Absolutely. Yeah, you can celebrate your love of art. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Nadia, in addition to running your foundation, I understand that you're uh, the mother of three daughters. Could you speak to maybe the challenges of raising children in such an art-filled environment and, and have any of them kind of taken a liking to the art world? Yes. So I have three girls, 18, 16, 7. So they are, um, people ask me that question a lot. Like, you know, they grow up with art and what are they, um, what is it like for them? I feel that I don't think they know any different. Like, what would it be like to live Mm. without art? Or, I mean, you know, they're surrounded. I mean, I wouldn't say the older child eh, daughter is um, a little bit interested in art, but I I don't see any of them right now being an artist or a curator or any of that. But they are aware. They've been to t- so many art events around the world. They've been to Documenta. They've been to everywhere, like literally, like wow. everywhere. So, including uh, your seven-year-old has been to Documenta. Yeah, seven-year-old. Yes, last Documenta. Wow. She went, yeah, she went. <laughs> your to, kids are gonna be brilliant in that. So case. they've been. Yeah. She, they, she's been to both Athens and um, Castle, both of them. So they've oh. been to. She's also been to the Venice Architecture Biennale. I wasn't even thirty until I <laughs> even heard of Documenta. Wow! 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 <laughs> Yeah, so um, I feel like they are very much aware. They know, but, um, and I feel that's enough. You know, as long as they're aware, they Mm. appreciate their friends with artists. I mean, our friends, they've met so many artists. So they see, they understand, and it's kind of like a part of their life. And also, when mm-hmm. every every 18 months, when we do a rehang of the collection, we give them a choice of what they would like in their room from the um, inventory. Ooh. So they get to choose love what they want in their room. So that's also very sweet that <laughs> they pick <laughs> up the ones they like. <laughs> do they have different tastes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you seen sort of patterns? Uh, no, it's very different. And because I feel that um, they're still young and they're changing and they're growing and uh, changes and, you know, some of them oh. even have their own collection of art because a lot of artists who are oh, our cool. friends um, ga- gave them um, art as gifts. So that's also very sweet. And they're wow. very proud of their... <laughs> 
so special. Yeah, absolutely. Amita, I loved your question about um, uh, artists, about sort of South yes, Asian actually, artists. actually, that was a great transition. You love being a bridge. Can you share emerging or lesser known South Asian artists that should be on our radar? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's so many. I, there's Ooh. so many. My favorite. Oh, I'm my excited. Fav- okay, no, actually what, I'm not going to say favorite. Um <laughs> 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 They're all, you can't have a favorite child. No, you cannot. <laughs> but um, there are some very, very inspiring young um, artists that I really love. One is Aisha Sultana. She is um, brilliant. She is really brilliant. Um, she shows, she's a Bangladeshi artist. She won our Samdani Art Award in 2014. And after that, she's been flying. Um, She's being represented by another South Asian um, gallery called Experimenter Gallery. And a lot of museums are looking into... Yes, absolutely. A lot of museums are looking into her work. Um, For example, she's in Tate. She's in a couple of other institutions. Um, she's really good. She's one of my, um, uh, one artist that I really love. The other one I would say is a photographer, Bangladeshi photographer, Munem Wasif. He's brilliant. Um, then uh, Ritu Sattar, who's a performance artist. She's also brilliant. Then there's Yasmin Jahanupur. Um, she also does performance and then also does a lot of um, various media works. Um, yeah, I mean, there's quite a few, but these are the ones um, I'm very um, excited for and looking, really looking um, at them at what they're doing, um, following their journey, actually. And quick note for listeners that we will um, include their names um, in the show notes so you can um, Google them and, and dive deep into discovering their practices. I think maybe, Amitha, do you want to switch to Art Kiki on the subject yes. of loving um, and, by contrast, hating? Yes, let's do that. Okay, so Nadia, towards the end of every episode... We have a section that we call Art Kiki. And if you're not familiar with a kiki, um, a kiki is sort of a, a, a gossip. So this is sort of our section where we have what we call a little gossip about the art world. Um, so, you know, we ask what is, let's say, a trend in the art world that you're really fed up with or something you're really loving or just any sort of ridiculous anecdotes about the wonderful and absurd world that is the art world. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. What I was um, fed up with in the art world was the constant, I think the constant travel and the constant keeping up with um, everything that's going on. And, you know, the exhaustion and being tired. And um, 
it was really too much. And so that was something I was fed up with. I think like after coming out of every art fair, I would be like, never again. I am never going to an art fair. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm tired of talking to people. I'm tired of like smiling. I'm ti- I'm just oh like exhausted. Yes. I'm tired of standing in queue to get a drink. I'm tired of standing in a queue to get a sandwich or anything. I mean, it's, <laughs> um, I think those were, and that I feel like was a trend and that was something um, everybody complained about because um, that's what it was really. It's exhausting. It's too much. And, you know, when you get like so much information, you know, you just go blank. You, you don't remember anything. But in, nine, in the last eight months of staying at home, I, you know, I feel like I really appreciate all those things. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not going to yes. complain anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to complain um, going to an art fair, standing in queue, being surrounded by people, standing in line. I miss the crowd. <laughs> I miss my friends. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what um, I'm really missing. And I think this um, pandemic and this isolation has made me realize that, you know, what life was then, what life is now, what um, the things that I appreciate things so much. <laughs> I will say I can definitely relate to the the exhaustion of people. And one of the things <laughs> I always find a bit exhausting is, um, forgive me for saying this art world, but I feel like so many conversations you have with people at the beginning is them sort of sizing you up. You know, are you are you a collector? Are you an important collector? Are you <laughs> worth my time? Yes. <laughs> but I almost want to have, that would be my um, going back into the world of travel and gallery dinners and all that is just to have sort of like a, a, a name card or something or a resume that you can just hand to people. So you sort of get that sizing up done with immediately and just say, okay, this is my deal. Now you know if I'm <laughs> worth talking to or not, and and let's sort of get past that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that reminds me of um, art events. Um, I don't know if you actually right now I can't remember the name of the artist, but um, in Dubai, um, the art district it's called Al Circle Avenue, and they have like these big. Uh, yes. It's, is they have like these big neon works and it says, when did you get here? How long are you here for? And quotes like that. And I, I right now I, I can't remember the artist. And um, at, for one of their openings, I was sitting next to that artist for lunch uh, at, 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 a, at a, one of mm. their lunch. And I was asking her and she's like, yeah, isn't that what people, isn't those the questions people, the same question everybody asks at art <laughs> events? Like, when did you get here? How long you're here? Like, yes. as if, as if yeah. anybody cares, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really, do oh people care? Yeah. When did you get here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, 
You know, uh, and those artworks, so every time after that, I went to All Circle Avenue and I saw those work, you know, it makes me laugh. And, you know, after that, every time I saw, every time I went to an art event, I never asked anyone, when did you get here? How long are you here for? <laughs> <laughs> because it reminds me of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yes. No, it's um, definitely a very, very special place and a very special group to be a part of. Well, thank you again, Nadia. This has been so much fun and very inspiring. I hope that we get to see each other, if not at the 2022 summit, then before that. Um, in the meantime, stay well and thanks again. Absolutely. Stay well too. And thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. Thank you both Amitha and Will. Thank you. Thanks, Nadia. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Art from the Outside. As a friendly reminder, please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Art From The Outside Podcast. Our sound engineering is by Hanger Studios. Photography by Enrique Vega and original music by Lola's Ghost. Stay well, be safe, and hope you'll join us for the next episode. <laughs>